Hi, friends. Dan here. The Dulcimer Geek Podcast will begin in just a moment, or I should say what's left of it. It's a bit ironic that this podcast is uh, quite technical. We're talking about microphone placement, how you use them, how you make yourself sound good, etc. And uh, we had an equipment failure again. This is the same one that happened a couple of weeks ago that caused my voice to sound like I was a robot so it wiped out about the first 30 minutes. So this podcast is going to pick up right in the middle of a conversation about how a person's usage of the microphone affects what the sound man can do. And don't worry, we'll get this technical problem worked out. It's an actual piece of equipment that seems to be having problems. It's the same one that you may recall from another podcast that I sent off to have repaired. It's back. It still seems to be having an issue. But if you had people that came up and didn't work the microphone properly, you can't fix them. You just can't fix them. Oh, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Okay. And they don't, yeah, that's they right. don't look at themselves as having caused the problem. They look at you. And so this thing goes bad right there. All right. So somebody has an instrument that's not the best instrument. They're out of tune. They don't know how to use a mic. For instance, <laughs> they might be a foot away from it when they really need to be, I don't know, four inches from it or yeah. something. Um, and then they don't take great care in explaining that things aren't working well, and then the sound man can take it personally. I don't right, know. But he, yeah, even you if throw the sound into man... the mix, the sound guy... Uh, I've been a sound guy a lot, and I'm a little bit insecure about the job I'm doing. And then you got the musician coming up, and they're a little bit nervous about what they've got to do. It's 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 a real uh, witch's brew, to be sure. Sure, and and you can be, <clears throat> in particular, if you're a volunteer sound person, which in in many cases that's what we have. You, uh, you know, yeah, who that's knows, right. Who knows what you're going to get? So my, I'm going to make somebody mad with this, but my advice to sound people that are doing this mm -hmm. uh, like if you're doing church audio is the program that tells you what's going to happen look at it at the beginning and then put it away what and program assume, and like if you get a piece of paper that says this is what's going to happen next and this is what's going to happen next your your rundown of events right if you trust that you'll miss cues so what I do is I try I look at that I used to I don't do this anymore but I look at it get a general idea and then put it away and then, you know, just so I wouldn't be surprised by anything coming up and then watch the program and be involved in the program completely so that you're like, I'm a part of this program. And that when I did that, I didn't miss cues anymore. You know, it's right. Because like, you want you're hoping the sound guy like I always appreciate it when the sound guy recognizes that I've now switched to finger picking. Right. I lean into the mic a little bit. But it's great when they notice that I'm quieter now and they, they turn me up a little bit. Just a touch, just a touch. Yeah, but to be fair, like you said, so many times they're volunteering or they're underpaid. Usually they're volunteering. And they're at a festival where there's open mics all day long and then there's performances before and after dinner and into the night. And you've got one guy who's supposed to pay attention right. like a lifeguard. Yeah. All day and night. You can't expect that. Right. I, I worked at a festival one time where I found out they were paying the sound guy more than three times what the top artist was getting paid. 
And I wasn't sure what I thought about that, but now I know that it was worth it. The guy should have gotten paid well. We all need him to be happy, and we need him to uh, do a good job. So another tip for just this is just a general sound tip if you're going to be on a microphone <clears throat> or if you're miking or whatever because we all deal with mics and stuff probably i answer the microphone how do you mic questions about as many as as many of those as anything if people are like hey how do you do this so steve i know you know the answer to this but i want you to answer this as if you didn't know anything about sound so let's say somebody is going to be in front of a microphone and you're the person who's in front of the amplifier with your hand on the knob. If the person in front of the microphone isn't loud enough, what's the instinctive thing to do? The instinctive thing to do is just to turn them up. And that's the wrong answer, right? Mm, well, there's in other almost, things you can do for sure. Well, in almost all cases, that's the wrong answer. If, if I, you have a person... I want to start with the source first. Yeah, but you can't... The source is on. The source is the talent. And you can't yell at them and stop them. The way to get somebody to be louder when they're not loud enough is almost always. And the reason they're not loud enough is because they're too far back from the microphone. Yeah, let's be fair. They're they're like a foot and a half (laughs) too far away. Or or, or less. I mean, but if they're just even a little bit, because these uh, dynamic mics in particular have, you know, very short, something needs to excite the diaphragm in that to make it work. Yeah, if you're too far away from it, the guy's got to crank it up. You hear the room sound, you get feedback. And that doesn't work. So a, a sound man who really has done this before, you turn them down. Because one of the things that humans react to is when they hear that room sound is they back up they don't want to hear that feedback so they back up i would say that happens a lot with a with a vocal mic with somebody giving a speech that's real obvious but it's the same kind of thing even with a a mountain dulcimer because you've got some control you lean forward or you lean back if someone is not loud enough and you can't you i mean you have to know what's going to cause feedback and you can't fix it by turning them up you turn them down and then when it gets quieter and they can't hear themselves they'll scoot into the microphone but they're hearing all this reverb that's and they're thinking they're too loud. Yeah. I've, I'm, that's how it works. I've done, I've watched it happen. Many well, I, I want to give a tip for people uh, who are competing, you know, like in a dulcimer competition for mountain dulcimer, at least part of you possibly winning that competition has to do with you making sure before you ever hit a note, you want to have good mic placement and many of the people who are new to a contest or even new to just, you know, playing on a stage, they don't want to be close to that mic at all. And um, I don't know exactly how close each person should get, but usually, seriously, they're a foot or a foot and a half. There's so many contests where the sound guy will put the microphone like a foot and a half away from the dulcimer and the poor person, you know, trying to compete, they, they trust the sound guy. It's it's almost like some of these competitions. The main sound guy will get his uh, his little buddy to help, so he can go eat lunch. And the little buddy doesn't know that we got to get these mics on the instrument, because when you're a judge back there, you'll definitely not when you when you hear an instrument coming through where the mic is placed correctly, you you'll definitely think more of that performance than you will the one where the mic's a foot and a half away. All right, so I recently judged a contest. I want you to tell me if what I did was right or wrong. And yeah. 
And I was going to go ahead and tell you the conclusion. The, and this the, is a hammered or a mountain or what? I'm not, I don't want to say. Okay. Uh, might have been both. And I was in the judging room. <laughs> the judging room. That sounds awful. And it's the situation where there's one speaker in there, you know, and the judges. And, and very often it's an afterthought, <laughs> you know. It's a closet. <laughs> in most cases, it's a closet somewhere. So we're sitting in this closet and there's the sound. And they had a warm up uh, musician that was playing, and the sound was awful. It was distorting tremendously. Mm-hmm. And it uh, may have sounded good in the house, but what you were hearing it, was a it mess. It did sound good in the house. Okay. So uh, I did what I did was, you know, I was talking to these other folks. I said, guys, this is really bad. Is it going to be bad for me to go and fix it? <laughs> And it and it turned out it wasn't because the person who was in charge was was very thankful. Uh, yeah, if you come in humbly and carefully, yeah. you're you're either going to get them to fix it or or you can fix it. Right, and yeah, and so I fixed it, and and I didn't know. I mean, I I was taking a risk there that, but it kind of I wasn't in the contest. I was judging the contest. There was just way more signal. That's all it way. was. There was too much signal coming in, and it was overdriving the input gain on the speaker that was giving us sound. Schnaufer was big on that. If he was judging and that first person, if the sound was messed up, he would want to stop everything, you know? Now, sometimes the people running the contest, they just want to be like, hey, we're cool, you know, or whatever. David would absolutely insist they get that sound deal straightened out. And I've I've remembered that and tried to, you know, follow suit. These yeah. people sweat and work way too hard to to lose just because I mean I was at a contest once this was probably it, it was at least 10 years ago if not 15 and we didn't hear the first contestant and you know I think we caught the very tail end of them well really it was off it was off you just you couldn't hear them yeah and we just kind of I wasn't comfortable with this, but I remember everybody running the thing just said, let's just keep moving. Now, that that first person wasn't judged, and they left their feeling as though they had been, and they had been rejected or something, you know. I mean, this is, this is one thing where, hey, if you're in a contest, think about... Think about a game like backgammon. You got to make great moves. You really got to make every every time it's your turn. You got to make the best move you can think of, but you're also rolling dice. And when we go to these contests, it is not an objective evaluation of who is best. Um, and there's there's dice involved, the sound system, the sound man, the moods of of the judges, all kinds of stuff. So I just I want to encourage people to number one, get that mic in the right place. <laughs> And number two, don't take that contest so seriously. Yeah, because you, yeah, you have to be careful because you can't get the mic in the right place. The right place would re- require you being in two places at once. But it is good that you know your instrument. And you just got to make sure you get it in the general vicinity. Yeah. And I would say if all you'll do, when you sit down there to, to, to compete, you do not have to be in a hurry. You know, I think they usually start timing you when you hit your first note. So just take a breath. It'll feel like it'll feel like 10 minutes, but really if you just take 30 seconds 
just calm down, look around, you know, move that mic. What would you, what's a safe thing if we had to tell somebody right now what to do? Like six inches yeah, from four, your instrument? Four to six inches. But what I've seen happen, if you have people that, doesn't matter what their chops are, how well they can play. If they aren't used to having a microphone in front of them, even if there's no sound system, even if there's just a mic there, the stick there, it affects the way they play. It affects I think the way they, they should sit. be practicing at home with a little microphone on them. Yeah, even if it's not turned on. And I, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I can't tell you, when Stephen Humphreys and I play together, we always end up doing a lot of percussive stuff where I'll reach over and I'll smack his instrument or he's playing, we're playing on our dampers or whatever. And we'll practice these really cool moves and then forget that there's microphones. There's going to be microphone gonna... stands and stuff. Yeah, and then we'll go out to play, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, that's not going to work. And... You know, the more of this stuff you do, you get used to that, I guess. I, I want to bring it around to folks in a club, because this comes up a lot. This, this actually comes up almost every couple of weeks. You've got a club. They're playing at a nursing home or a church where they, they have to provide their own sound. And they're wanting to know what they should buy. I'm going to tell you what I think they should start with, and then maybe you could chime in. But let's say there's a, oh, I hate even answering this question. Can I get you to do it first? Well, I they've like, got listen. They got twelve hundred bucks, and they oh, they're going to buy a whole system. They want to get something. How many people? Nine people. I know that makes it harder. Let's make it twelve. Nine people, they should have one. And this, I'm speaking, just saying. Nine, nine people, one person should talk on the microphone, and they should all play acoustically. That's what I say. Okay, now, wow. <laughs> now, what they say at the nursing home, and this is true, the people in the nursing home, most of them, they need, they're going to have trouble hearing us, you know? And so the club is thinking, man, if we can just get a, a PA system or something. I almost, when I go into a nursing home with a dulcimer, they can't hear me. And I almost would rather instead yeah, you're of a solo, to, you're a solo player though, Steve. You can fix that. Yeah, but you're if I go with people. my mom, which I've done recently a number of Two times. Two people, you can do it. Yeah, but I don't want to be in a big room where they wheel everybody in. I would just soon walk down the halls and play two or three songs in each of 20 different rooms over a three-hour period. Some of this problem, though, has to do with things that aren't music-related. Right. But let's say they're, they're, they're let's just say they, they play, that maybe there's an outdoor, uh, what do you call it, like farmer's market. Sure. And you got nine people. What do they do? I say they go acoustic. That's what I say. And sit as close to each other as they can. Yes. Now, if if you do have somebody that, that really knows sound and and knows how to work it, and it's their own sound system, and they sit still, sit they sit close to each other so they can hear each other. You can mic them with a condenser, you know, with a with a good uh, good um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Uh, omnidirectional pattern condenser it picks up from all around picks up from all directions but you need to scoot the speaker and they don't need to be listening to the speaker you get the speakers away from the performers you get the performers real close together and you put this mic in the middle of them yeah i think that's a mistake that people make is once a speaker is involved 
they want to hear what's in the speaker. And in most cases, the performer should not be hearing what's in the speaker, as if that's at all possible. If you have to, then you need to pursue that as a new hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, figuring out why that is. And I would also say with mountain dulcimers and hammer dulcimers, you don't want monitors. You know, if you're playing a place where it's a a festival with lots of different people playing, if you can get away with having no monitors, you're going to get better sound in the house. Right. Sometimes I want a little bit monitor. but my voice in the monitor. Just a little bit of monitor, just a tiny little bit. Yeah. But if if I think the sound guy is pushed to the end of his uh, abilities, then I say no monitor. Now, Mr. Soundman, just because I ask for no monitor doesn't mean I don't trust you. But what I'm thinking of is let's make the job easier on the sound guy. Well, we both play instruments where microphones face down. Yeah. And <laughs> that creates problems. Well, mine face in my, my belly. I'm more like a guitar in that respect. Yeah, but you're still sitting, so it's lower. Yeah. And you're closer to the monitors than a guitarist is most That's of right. the time. Well, let's look at this scenario. You've got a club that bought a PA. And they've got four microphones, but there's 12 people. Can you tell me what the mics are? Yeah. Just condensers or dynamic microphones. They have on-off switches. They're off-brand because they got the four mics, you know, for $120. Then you have to pick out the four people you want to mic. Okay, but listen, this is what happens all the time. They got 12 people, four mics. They got these four mics on boom stands. They put them up about five feet in the air, pointing at mic- everybody, spreading them out equally and you know, in quarters. And the mics are what are they, about six feet from the actual instruments, maybe? That's like pouring water in your car because water is available instead of gasoline. Look, what what's your opinion on why that's a terrible idea? It's, it's, it's what I said. It just doesn't work. A dynamic microphone needs proximity. Now, has to be, and somebody uh, says, well, that's not true. I can just turn it up. But you can't turn up its ability to uh, react to the signal. <laughs> it, so if we can talk, and I'm, I'm somebody's, there's people listening who know more about this than me. I just, I'll confess that right now. But here's my understanding. When you have a condenser microphone, <clears throat> that's one that wants phantom power before it works. Electricity that actually comes from a battery or through the cable itself to activate the sound sensing device. That's right. It's making this thing be really sensitive. So if a if a mis, if a bug if a fly flies in front, you know, two feet in front of a condenser mic, you'll hear. Zzz. A dynamic microphone needs some sort of a concussion to happen in front of it. And that concussion it benefits from that. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, that's, it has to actually be physically moved more or, I mean, that's rarely would you put a condenser microphone in front of a trumpet, you know, something that's really loud that you, there are condensers and they put pads on them that you can do that with just because they have a broader frequency. Usually the well. louder and the more percussive the sound, the less you really want to get a a condenser right next to it you yeah, want a dynamic right. it's less sensitive it's responding to dynamic sound they both have a thing on them called a diaphragm it's just that in the condenser mic it's an electronically charged piece of if you want to look at it like a piece of cellophane you know how if you shake a piece of cellophane it kind of makes that rattly sound that's sort of like what a diaphragm is so if you take a microphone apart You'll 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 find this little bubble inside 
dynamics. That's a little more plastic feeling. If you look at a condenser microphone, you're usually going to see a piece of metal in there that gets charged, and it's a charged surface that's picking up the sound waves. Does that make sense? Does that and, matter? And sometimes there's two. I, we don't know as much as some people out nope. there, but anyway, yep. the. If you got 12 people, four dynamics, really far away from them because somebody's thinking we're going to pick up an average of everything, but you're not close enough to really push those mics. And because you had to turn it up a bunch, you're getting all this room sound and you're also right on the verge of feeding back. Yeah. Hey, I got in a way. I have a way to explain it. You ready? Go for it. Generally, churches hire at least professionals if they're of decent size, to set up their sound systems, even though they may have volunteers running them. And it's a business that's been around for a long time. Your dulcimer group of people, your dulcimer club, think choir. You're a choir. And you mic choirs with condenser mics, you know, at a, at a reasonable distance. Right. And... Somebody, you know, they're, they're a little more touchy because it's easier to make them feedback. But if you really are trying to mic 12 people, you'd, you'd want to do it with condenser mics and probably a stereo pair. Now, I would never recommend, though, that a dulcimer club go buy condenser mics no. because they're going to hate them because they're harder to use because they feed back. Yeah, and but we're if, so quiet anyway. Yeah, but if you learn how to use them correctly... It's absolutely the right microphone. All right, so let's say you got twelve people and six microphones. Could you put one? Could you put each pair of people really close together, and then put that one mic? You know, let's say twelve inches from each of the two people. No, I mean you could do it, but I would never do that. I just so what do is it. that group with twelve people who absolutely really believes they need to be loud in some environment? Are you going to recommend twelve mics? Yeah, and they're not going to want to do that because it's too complicated. I'm gonna. I would more likely put one condenser mic in front of them, and you don't. Condenser mics don't have to be super expensive. I'm, the mic I'm speaking into right now, it's called an MXL, and you can get it at uh, Guitar Center. It's a cheaply made Chinese mic. Get at Guitar Center for probably seventy five dollars. It sounds a whole lot like my twelve hundred dollar AKG four fourteen, which is what Steve's speaking into right now. Correct. This is exactly what I'm speaking into right now. And the reason I'm not using my 414, I have two of them. I own them. It's because I'm using them on, I'm working on a recording project. So they're on my hammer dulcimer. So this condenser mic that I've got, but watch this. Here's, here's a good example. If I accidentally, which I've done a couple of times during this podcast, kick my desk. I've done it too once. You hear that? I mean, that's coming through. It's because this mic isn't well isolated. There's all kinds of issues with using it, and you have to be really quiet. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, would, I wouldn't want that job. To, <laughs> it's a horrible to make job. 12 people. You know, it's almost, if you're going to have 12 people, you need a dedicated, I don't know. You don't need this. You would benefit from a dedicated sound man who has uh, all the right mics for the situation, and he's on top of things. And you've got the ideal situation. You know, sometimes there's so many things we could go over here, but if you can get a mic closer to the instrument, the sound guy doesn't have to crank your level as high. That's right. And you're going to get less of the room getting into the mic and you'll have less feedback trouble. And also where the main PA speakers are located makes a big difference. But Well, so these, these 12 people 
if they're going, uh, you were in a nursing home scenario, are they taking their own amplifier? Yeah. Do they have a mixer? No, this is very common. Like Fender makes this thing. It looks like a... Um, the pass. Yeah. It's like the two speakers fold Passport. into it or something. Yeah, Fender Passport system. Yeah, that's real common to see those out there, something like it. And it's not uncommon for somebody to go for a generic uh, maker. So here's what I want you to do. Because they get twice as many mics or something, you know. So you've got your... I'm glad you have six microphones and 12 people or four microphones and 12 people. I'd like for you to buy two more. Yeah. And I want them to be inexpensive condensers. And when you buy them, you buy a stereo XY pattern pole. It's just a bar. It holds the two mics, one on top of the other, pointed in different directions. Right. Their their noses are touching, right? Yeah. So they're they're at... uh, I forget if it's a 90 or 45. I always forget and have to look. But anyway, it creates this situation that keeps you from having cancellation. And you take your speakers from your Fender Passport system. You guys sit as close as you can, not in a straight line, in a semicircle. Yeah, because the straight line, you think the audience appreciates that, but the fact that none of you can hear each other makes the music worse. That's right. So you semicircle and you cluster as much as you can. And then those speakers are off to the right and off to the left, two or three feet from both sides of the semicircle, and absolutely not faced in towards you. They're they're faced straight ahead, so none of it's coming towards you. And then in the middle of that semicircle, you put that XY pattern on that stand and recognize that there is a limit to how loud you can be. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not be as loud as you want to be. You but- won't be. <laughs> That's but if why you, you can be a little louder than you would be without it. That might yeah. be good enough, and you'll sound better. It'll just sound better, and you're going to have them roll off the highs a little bit. I I think you have to be careful with that advice because it depends on the room and how the room is built, and you kind of don't know that until you get there. Okay, this is what I'm going to recommend. Your club has saved up three thousand dollars somehow. Okay, um, let's say you've saved up a twelve hundred. Get a bunch more money you know, together from private members and find some live sound expert in New York, LA, Chicago, Atlanta, (laughs) Nashville. And you take that, you tell that guy, if you'll come and spend an hour with our group, we'll pay you $1,500 and then use your other $1,500, you know, to buy whatever equipment he recommends or something. I don't know. I mean, it's almost like, they, they they really need some really good advice because you don't want them feeding back all the time and sounding terrible and not hearing each other. And do, 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 do. Well, on top of that, as we age, our ears fail, fail us. And so you do not want to have a speaker replace a hearing aid <laughs> because then you're making it louder for everyone else as well. My solution for just me of all the stuff I've tried I could give you three solutions I'm happy with, but if you ask me to pick one, I've got that, the most inexpensive Bose stick that you already mentioned, and use that Shure Beta that that I borrow from you all the time. Yeah. The, so just, can we talk about that for just a second? Yeah. There's a Beta 57 and there's an SM57. There's they also a 58. N- right. The, and, and a Beta, there's a Beta 58 and an SM58. They're not the same microphones. 57's instrument, right? 
So is yeah, the fifty sevens are instrument mics and the fifty eights are vocal mics. Right. So you so you got a you got a Shure fifty seven. This that's an industry standard dynamic. You've got a Shure S fifty uh, seven beta. Right. And and I like the beta. You pointed out to me. It seems like it gets a little more of the highs, but also there's an annoying mid range quality that seems to 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 have been reduced compared to the regular old Shure. 57 yeah and the change is in the electronics inside the mic and it's also in the uh, capsule you know like we were talking about earlier <clears throat> the there it's been explained to me by someone that i trust that they're really the same microphone they have the same diaphragm mm -hmm. but they have a different capsule around them okay and, and one is made so that it picks up your voice and one's made to pick up an instrument but they're all dynamic they're good dynamic mics now if you've if you buy this at a local music store in like in the middle of you know Arkansas or something, a, a a beta might be fairly expensive. Like here in Nashville, or if you get some of these online, what are they like a hundred and twenty five bucks or something? No, I think the betas are closer to one hundred and fifty. Okay. Here uh, in Nashville, they they sell they sell these Shure Dynamics just like toothpicks. So I. Maybe it's a loss leader around here, but yeah, I could be wrong. They might have come down, but so I'm hey, can I tell if if you've listened to many of these podcasts, the one that Steve and I did driving back from Michigan, we were speaking into uh, uh, beta fifty sevens and fifty eights. Yeah, and we've been learning how to do sound on the show. <laughs> you know, right? Anybody reason, who does sound over and over again and listens back, you're gonna you're gonna get better at it, hopefully. Yeah, but the reason I'm saying that is if they wanted to listen to the difference between a dynamic microphone and a condenser microphone and know what they're getting, that show sounds fine, in particular for being in a car. But if we had these microphones that we're both speaking into now in that car, the show would have sounded horrible. Absolutely horrible, because they would have picked up all the road noise. You'd hear the the person you know, a mile behind you throwing a piece of gum out the window. I'm exaggerating, but... I, I, uh, Bing and I just played at the end of the Virginia Beach Dulcimer Festival, and everybody decided. And we also played a little um, a concert in the middle of the week. And for both, we went totally acoustic, and we pulled the small audience right in on top of us. I mean, for the first one, Bing even had he had his pedal board pickups running, preamps. He had microphones out. And right before we started, he put everything up, and we just went totally acoustic. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. we have the privilege of, you know, that we have that option. I I would say, if I went to play in some bar or something, I'd definitely have to amplify. But right, when I can get away with it, I if if I can be in a living room and people and there's twelve people packed in around me, that's great. If um. If, if it's a if it's a larger group, I'm gonna want a decent dynamic with a simple sound system set up in the room well. And I'm and the thing I could do worse is turn it up too loud. Yeah, I mean the worst thing I could do yeah. sometimes is just turn it up way too loud. Some of these sound systems I think aren't bad if you don't if you don't turn it up too loud. Yeah, that's right. I think we always. That's why I'm always emphasizing that you want to get your sound off of your instrument. And you want to hear the person next to you, if at all possible, off of their instrument. 
when you start trying to do your monitoring off of speakers, everything gets worse. But I mean, but there are times I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, really times where I've come away feeling like I played well, partially because it sounded so good up at, uh, Oh, what's the little festival up in Kentucky. That's at a state park. It's, uh, I am so sorry I'm drawing a blank. She had a motorcycle wreck. Annie McPhee's. Pine Mountain. Yeah. I remember playing there and coming away thinking, man, that was, it was a small room mm -hmm. and it just sounded really good. And I remember another time Stephen Humphreys and I used our Bose sticks and we set up, we convinced the, it was a Bill, Bill Bosler event. And we convinced him to let us set up in the middle of the room and set everybody up in a circle around us. And we had the fronts of our instruments touching each other, each one of us with a Bose stick behind us, sort of shooting over our heads. The very non-standard. You know, so the speakers were facing each other and they were behind us facing each other. That was just like being wrapped in love. <laughs> and I wish we could do that more often. I, I don't like stages and speaker systems that separate you, but nothing you can do about it because you're going to play that. It's important to point out, like with the Bose system... Eat, if you had three musicians on stage, the way they created that system, you don't have to do it this way. You would have each person with their own Bose stick. And then each musician sets the level so that they hear it on the stage well. Right. And then ideally, the people in the audience aren't far from hearing a real natural blend. I th There's... Um, there's a Yamaha, this cool little amp. I saw it at the NAMM show and also... Uh, um, the snaps up in Columbus used these. Yamaha makes this little battery-powered amp. It looks the size of a loaf of bread almost. They, and they have okay. a whole bunch of different ones that, that are fair, pretty different. Um, if, if, if you had three people and each one of them had one of those, I don't know if they're 150 a piece, and each person had a $100 mic, you know, and a $35 mic stand you could conceivably do a very similar thing. Just bring up your, you know, turn those up until you're roughly, you know, almost twice as loud as you would be acoustically. Something in a nursing home like that. Do you right. disagree with that? No, I just think, as you were saying that, the part of me that was mildly disagreeing, but I think for the, you put it in an application, and I think it's it's fine in that application. And not that you don't want to have your best sound in a nursing home. I'm not saying that at all. But there are limitations sometimes to where you go, you know, as to what you can bring in. So you've probably had this experience. I don't think we get it much anymore because everybody wears headphones. But where, remember walking into a stereo shop and they would play some audio through some speakers and then trick you and then show you it was really these little bitty speakers that were playing. It wasn't right. those great big ones. These little ones that you can afford that are really expensive and a sub. And you walk out of there and it never sounds quite as good when you get it home. The little speakers <laughs> give the highs. The sub gives the bass. That's right. Uh, we don't get that most of the time. When you're, If you have a small amp like what you're talking about, Crate also makes their Street Performer series. Those work really well for electric guitars, which are hardcore mid-range anyway. But on, if you make a mountain dulcimer or, excuse me, or a hammer dulcimer, both too harsh in the mid-range, they don't sound good. Whereas electric guitar, that's kind of the signature sound. Well, 
so many mountain dulcimer players are going to say, well, I don't want to bother with the mic. I, I bought this I expensive agree. instrument because it has a pickup and I'm just going to use the pickup. And it, poor pickups, we've beaten them up. We've talked about this before. They're just, if, if you recognize that your pickup can warm, <laughs> can warm your bottom just a little bit and don't let that be the main sound source, I think they're probably okay. Yeah, but we've, you know, even in Nashville in the late 80s, they were using those bags for all the concerts, and then everybody started to get that in their ear, and then all of a sudden that sound started showing up on records. Mm. Like Mark O'Connor or Chet Atkins, they were putting out records where you're not hearing the natural acoustic sound, you're hearing this bag style. Um, Well, those have gotten even better these days, and... I'll even admit when I plug in and I only hear that, sometimes I have fun playing that. It's almost like I'm playing a different instrument. It is. That's but right. But sometimes it, that yeah. different instrument, the sum of all of that, turns out to be more than me using a, a mic with a bad system in a rough room. I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying about blending them, but a whole lot of people, they just want to plug in and they're going to be happy with that sound. And I've the thing that you said you and Bing did, I've done that. I've also gotten to places where I'm like, wow, I can't make this sound good amplified, but I have to be amplified because it's a big place. And you just plug in and you do it. And uh, you just do it. I think we have to we have to cover this briefly. Very often part of performing for people is performing in less than ideal circumstances and yes. making the best of it. So many times I've leaned on the imagination. <laughs> so I'm not going, by the way, I really sound in the room. I'm actually playing and hearing something totally different in my head. And that's what keeps me focused. Sometimes you get a sound guy that's having a whole lot of trouble. Let's say the mic keeps cutting in and out. If it's within reason, you just have to, you just got to play your heart out. And I used to have a choir director. He'd say, you know, knock it down, do it dirty, take the money and run. <laughs> yeah just don't be don't get all hung up on the sound system because it's a compromise That's it's really important to point out that very often it does sound bad to the musician from the stage and it really will sound better out in the audience that's common yeah i know from our standpoint sometimes the sound man's saying you sound good out here and we're thinking do i you know but there, well, there's I, definitely times when it sounds pretty good in the house it does not sound so great up on the stage as far as dulcimer festivals are concerned i would say it sounds good more times than it sounds bad out in the audience because mm -hmm. we've been to a bunch they sound fine they and sound, people are getting better at doing this anyway <laughs> yeah maybe that's the case too but to the musician you know since we are saying well i don't really want monitors and you can't really hear the speakers you really just need to trust the person who's doing the sound that's all if if you do enough open mics in your town and just get some time in front of a microphone. You're going to learn that uh, you're going to have to make compromises and you'll just have to play your heart out. Hey, we haven't, you know, sometimes in our shows we have funny stuff. We haven't had any in this one. And There's nothing funny in this show at all. Well, I just wonder, I want to ask you as we wrap up, do you know the uh, difference, how to tell the difference between a crocodile and an alligator? No. One of them you'll see later. One of them you'll see after a while. I think that's 
funny. <laughs> See you later, alligator. Later, gator. <laughs> <laughs>